I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Bezo from CBC Sports, and the band is all back together. Russo is back. Jesse is back. Everybody's here. How are we, boys? Doing well. Uh, excited for training camp to be starting this week. Yeah, hockey is back. Hockey is back. Yeah, watching the rookies this week, getting some some rookie face-off tournament action, and now the uh, the real players hit the ice here in a couple days. Should be fun. Yeah, training camp officially opening. Yeah, tomorrow, but they got yeah. the medicals and everything today. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it it means it's the season is on the really on the horizon now. Yeah, we'll see what Jesse uh, feels and looks like uh, in late June when he's still working. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It, 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 I expected the offseason to feel shorter than it did. I like I, I expected to not be as excited when hockey came back, but I actually am pretty excited that it's here. It, it, it felt long enough to go without hockey. You both cover teams. I mean, what what's what's the attitude like when you're covering a team at this point? Like when they're just showing up, they're doing their physicals, they're just getting on the ice for the first time. Is it like, th- does every team, whether you're good or bad, just have that sense of optimism in the dressing room? Or Definitely. Is it, can it be? Can it really depend on what the team it is? Well, so for personally, which is how I always uh, look at anything, uh, I always equate it to going back to school. Like I don't know what it is, but like it's like in July or August, I'm like I cannot wait for hockey season. Just like even in July or August, I remember not waiting for school, and then like the week or two before, I'm in like the worst mood. <laughs> so like it's actually here. Uh, so that's kind of how I feel. It's like conflicted. You're excited. You're just like, oh my God, I'm going to be working nonstop for the rest of the time. But yeah, I mean, I, to me, that's the best part of training camp is everybody's got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So you write all these, you know, glowing stories, even if you're, you know, in Chicago or, or some of the teams that are supposed to be near the bottom of the league, you still find those optimistic stories to write because they haven't lost a game yet. Yeah, I feel like this year it's probably going to be a little different for me because I get to ask all these guys <laughs> about their, their day with the cup, right? Like I, like, I haven't seen most of these guys since they had their day with the cup. So um, plenty to talk about. They're not going to have a hard time finding a, an ice breaking question with every player in the locker room. So it should be good. 
Uh, speaking of plenty to talk about, we've got a lot to talk about on this podcast. And I should mention we are going to be joined in segment number two by Carolina Hurricanes GM Don Waddell. So we'll talk to him about coming into the season again as one of the teams uh, that could very well be lifting that Stanley Cup uh, a little later on this year. Uh, and we've got a lot to get through. A lot in the rapid fire, Russo. So try to start editing now before you make the show go to two hours. Even I have a lot to do. say. Um, you, you always do. And we love it. That's why we got you here. I uh, should mention trade that we got to pass your way, which is usually not something we say around September 20th. But the Habs and the Canucks uh, pulled off a deal heading to Montreal forward Tanner Pearson and a 2025 third round pick going the other way is goaltender Casey DeSmith. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's a blockbuster, but it's certainly worth quickly looking at. Russo, your thoughts when you saw the deal? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad he's healthy. Uh, that's the biggest thing. You know, I was paying attention from afar yesterday to Cap Friendly explaining how Vancouver's cap situation worked now that he was off LTIR. And next thing you know, about an hour later, he was traded uh, to, to Montreal. So glad he's healthy. And uh, and we'll see, uh, you know, essentially how he if he can kind of revitalize his career here and, and get back to being a really quality hockey player that he's long been. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, and then on the, on the other side of things, I think if Vancouver's gonna bounce back and, and fight for the playoffs the way they want to, they obviously need better goaltending. And, and the biggest part of that is Thatcher Demko and he's got to be better. But Spencer Martin last year was awful. Like I think out of 108 goalies that played a qualified number of minutes, he was like 105th. Um, it wasn't good. And I think getting Casey to Smith in there is, is, solidifies that backup position. You're you're more comfortable playing him more games. You take some of the weight off Thatcher Demko. I think as the league is going, you want you don't want to play your starting goalie 60 plus games. I think that's going to help him and and then in in turn help the team. If that goaltending can be just a little better than it was last year last year, it gives them a chance. And not only gives him a chance to play, Thatcher Demko's probably not going to play because we've seen Thatcher Demko get hurt a lot. Like he's right. just I, and I don't mean that as a knock, but some people are a little more injury prone than others for whatever reason. He seems to be when he's playing, he's playing well, but when he's not, um, you need someone who's to be able to get in there and weather the storm. And I think Casey DeSmith is kind of that perfect, like you said, that prototypical guy who can get in there and kind of do that. Uh, Russo, you were gone last week. Jesse and I attacked this Mike Babcock story. Um, it was just kind of, was it breaking right, yeah. Jesse? It was just kind of, yeah, I was just kind of coming out and there was a really good looking Italian guy on this show who kept saying, this can't be true. It just, there's no way someone is crazy enough to be given a second chance. And so early in that second chance, push his luck to a point where he might lose his job. I don't want to say that guy's name. He may be one of the hosts of this show, but Holy shit, was I ever wrong. Uh, since then, <laughs> a lot has happened. Well, for the record, I'm Italian too, but I knew you weren't talking about me when you said good looking guy. Um, so, yes. uh, so um, that's how I that's how I differentiated the two. Yep. But us people that end our last names with vowels need to stick together, Rob. So I'm not going to rip into you too much. Um, I'll be in it. Uh, you know, so let me give it to you from my standpoint. So we we get to the um, to the uh, first day of the NHL media tour last week, first or second day. I can't even remember. And um, and this immediately breaks. I, I see Aaron Portsline's tweet and kind of quickly catch up. 
And I immediately seen Ron Hainsey and Pierre Lebrun and I went up to him and and Ron, you know, basically discounted it and said that he did some checking and and didn't think it was a big deal. The NHL and the NHLPA essentially right in front of us met uh, Bill Daly and Ron Hainsey. And when we got Bill Daly soon after this broke, Bill said that it was a misconception. But um, as I continued to hear things swirling, I remember talking to Aaron Portsline a couple days later and told him some of the stuff I was hearing. And I said to him, I don't think he's going to last the weekend because I knew they had the Monday media day and I just could not see how they're going to put Mike Babcock in front here. Um, I had talked to Paul Bizonette as well on Friday as as well and, and kind of compared notes with him. Um, but this is was a total invasion of privacy. Now, clearly, some of the veterans um, didn't think it was a big deal, but I don't think what he did to players like Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau, um, who are two of the players that publicly have talked to how it wasn't a big deal to them or the same that he did to some of the young guys. And I don't want to mention names, but it's pretty obvious who some of the important young guys are in the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the way that I understand it, he took their phones and essentially rifled through it. And that is beyond inappropriate. And I don't buy for a second that Mike Babcock has learned any lessons from the last four years of being out of the game. Um, I, I think that he clumsily handled this situation. I don't want to try to sit there and say that he did this with malice. But he certainly was not acting uh, bright here and put players in uncomfortable spots and uncomfortable positions that they had uh, no reason to be in. And I think this is this ended the only way it, it uh, did. And um, and we could talk what it means for John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen in a second. Um, but I just think that Mike Babcock uh, should never coach again in this league. It is just painfully obvious um, that 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 he just hasn't learned anything. And I do now wonder what it means for second chances for guys like Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. And um, that's one and, of the questions I was going to ask. Yeah. You. We can talk <laughs> about mean, that in a second as well. Yeah. Jesse. Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking the same thing is we, it feels like there's like almost a wave of second chances coming, um, which is sad that there have to be that many guys that need second chances. But the fact that this went as poorly as it went as quickly as it went, um, is shocking. Um, honestly, like, like I shouldn't be surprised that, that this happened, but I am, I am surprised that it could, that he could do this this quickly before even coaching a game, before even getting on the ice with the team. Yeah. He has already proven, like Mike said, that he hasn't learned anything in, in this time without being around hockey. It's like I said, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. It's shocking to me that this would happen this quickly. It's a debate I've been having for, a while now since this all came out, is this arrogance or is this, you can't de- teach an old dog new tricks because like I said, the whole, my whole basis on thinking that it was probably blown out of proportion was the fact that no one is dumb enough to do this. I, right. I think I used this example last, last week, Jesse, it's like robbing a bank, going to jail for it. And the day you get released from jail, you go and rob a bank again. Like it's just, it's, it was so so quick. Had this happened a year from now or two years from now, I would say, oh, Babcock up to his old tricks. He, 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 this was the initial meetings with the team. I don't understand how this could happen. Is this a fact that, like, do you we genuinely think that maybe Mike Babcock is even surprised saying, I didn't do anything. I was just trying to get to know them, not realizing just how inappropriate this is. Yeah, I, I just think that um, a leopard can change its spots. I mean, that's one of my favorite sayings. If he shows you, that's who he is. And he has shown to be this uh, throughout his career. And it's just started to come out the last couple of years, the stuff that he did to Mitch Marner, Johan Friends, and I'm sure scores of other people. 
this was just so beyond the pale. Um, and I don't buy for one second. And, 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 you know, to be totally honest, I don't know Mike Babcock very well. And I've covered this league for a long, long time, but I have, I really don't know him very well. I've had really no personal dealings with him other than scrums and things like that. So I don't want to uh, characterize this person, but I don't buy for one second that this was to get to know their families better. I mean, that is absolute bullshit. Um, if you want to, if you want to know what your, what the kid's girlfriend looks like, or that person's wife looks like, or who their mom and dad is, you ask them, you say, oh yeah. And and you give them the opportunity. Oh yeah, here they are. But to sit there and to go through their phones and to, you know, you know, make comments like, like, you know, this is how you prepare for a hockey season, which is some of the lines that I heard that he said and, and things like that. Absolutely putting people on the spot. It's just so ridiculous. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it. I mean, he is not going to coach again. Nobody is nobody in their right mind would ever hire. No him. way. Yep. No way. Yeah. So you touched on this, Russo, a second ago, but John Davidson, you normal Kekalainen. And I mean, Davidson at the press conference, I want to read the quote exactly. I am very disappointed. We went through the process earlier in the summer prior to hiring Mike Babcock as our head coach, but we got it wrong and that's on us. I can promise you we will learn from this going forward. I also understand the criticism we're getting. It is deserved. Jesse, we'll start with you because I, I, this isn't we missed something. This isn't like, oh, man, we didn't know that 10 years ago so-and-so did this. This was out in the open for everyone to see. When Mike Babcock was hired, we all kind of went, what? So can you accept a mea culpa here? Can you accept him saying, we got it wrong, we'll be better? Or is this definitely going to be a black mark on both of their records right now? Um, I mean, I think it's definitely better that he came out and said, we got this wrong. I think that's the right thing to say because they clearly did, but it's, it doesn't completely wash away the, the, the choice to, to hire him over. I just, I, I just can't get over how we keep doing this in the NHL. Like there are so many brilliant people yeah. around hockey that, that could deserve one of these 32 head coaching jobs. And yet they still choose to. <laughs> To give it to someone who they know, like you said, this isn't something that came out as a surprise. They knew he, that he was this way and he was this way immediately at right after they hired him. It's I don't give them a complete pass for it just because they said that they were wrong. But it is it makes me feel a little better about it that they that they came out and said, this is on us. We, we made the wrong choice here. Yeah, um, I'm conflicted because I have personal relationships with both of them. Get along with Yarmer really well. I've known JD forever, and I'm very tight with him. In fact, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in this business as a sports writer came from JD in the in the you know early 2000s on a, something I was dealing with in Florida covering Mike Keenan. And um, so I know the hearts of these guys, and they're they're good people. But this one, you know, this felt like an unnecessary hire at the very beginning. I know they're both under pressure. Um, for right now, getting this Blue Jackets to a point where they are going to be true contenders in a very tough, tough conference and division. And I think that that's probably why they went out and, and made this move. And um, they both made the decision to, to bring him in here. And it just felt like that was a decision. I watched every minute of the press conference. I thought they were both extremely accountable. Um, <clears throat> you know, somebody, one of the reporters asked JD about all the reporters that at the time said that this was going to be a potential problem. And he actually said maybe they were right. Um, so I think that they realize this has got to be a disturbing time for both of them and how uh, to have this implode on them on the eve of training camp, you know, to have to sit there and scramble to hire a coach on the eve of training camp just doesn't happen in the National Hockey League. And um, and so they've got to, you know, now it'll be really interesting to see how the Blue Jackets respond to this. 
and everybody else too. Uh, yeah. You touched on this earlier with with Joel Quinville. I mean, yeah, I know it's a completely different situation as to why they were not coaching in the National Hockey League, but you've got to be more reluctant to give anybody a second chance after what we've seen over this last week. I mean, how often do we ever talk about a coach leaving a post before practice number one? Like yeah, it's it's. Well, and that to, me, that to me, like th- that to me is the biggest thing. Nobody wants to be in the position that JD and, and Yorma were in this week. And are you going to really put your life on the line to, you know, uh, to, to hire Joel and Stan who are different position, different situations and why they're both not in the business. Like to me, Joel just did the really disgusting thing. He put winning above everything, even to the point that afterwards wrote a, basically a recommendation for this dirt bag. Um, that, that, uh, so I think there, it's like a different plateau, the two of them, but Bill Peters, Mike Babcock's disciple, you know, there's a great example. Like, are you as a, as a owner, as a GM going to put yourself in a position to hire one of these people, um, after what just happened in Columbus, whether it's deserved or not. And as you said, Rob, it's different situations, but as Jesse said, there's tons of great applicants out there. Um, and and for any of these jobs, you know, men, women, everybody, uh, in terms of the number of possible people that could eventually coach an NHL team or or be part of an NHL team, and uh, are you really going to now put your career and life on the line to essentially, uh, you know, put somebody that that is a liability? And Mike Babcock was always going to be a liability here. And the other thing that I think that they discounted Yarmo and, and JD is just how many people in this league don't like Mike. So they are they're going to jump almost enthusiastically to the forefront to sit there and and out anything he does that's seemingly untort. Um, and the other thing that Columbus has got to do a better job and everybody's got to do a better job is just vetting candidates. Like I, I know Yarmo says that he did his due diligence to an exhaustive measure, but I guarantee he didn't talk to Mitch Marner or Johan Franzen or some of these other people that might have been actually played for him and affected uh, and affected by him. And and, um, you know, it, it, it's very different to talk to a guy that used to be a, a colleague on the bench or somebody in the front office than a player that that has been affected uh, by in a negative way by Mike. I think what Rob brought up is a great point of like when other like GMs and presidents and owners around the league, when they see this happen and blow up as quickly as it did, it makes it real. Like when you're deciding whether you want to give someone a second chance, they all knew that like, you know, that there's a risk involved with that. But now having watched this blow up that quickly on the day before training camp, I think it makes the consequences of one of those hires a lot more real. And I think it, they're going to think harder about hiring one of those other guys that to give them a second chance than they would have prior to this. Just because when you see something happen right in front of you like that, it just it's the real the realness of it. It, it carries a little more weight than I think prior to all this happening. Yeah, I don't want to go through that. Right, is basically what every GM in the league is saying right now. But obviously, uh, we'll keep an eye on this. This is not going away. I think it'll, the the ramifications of this are going to be really interesting. Um, no easy way to go from Mike Babcock to the PWHL, but let's go from Mike Babcock to the PWHL. Uh, they held their inaugural draft this week. Uh, it was at my other place of business, the CBC uh, building. Literally, uh, I'm at my desk. You could We're watching it, but you can hear the cheers in our main atrium there. And it was really a weird day at work because at one point I'm just sitting there and then Billie Jean King walks right by my desk. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, there's Billie Jean King. Um, so 90 players chosen, first ever draft. 
a lot of things still need to be done and decided. I mean, they went up there and received the stick because, well, there's no jerseys yet. There's no team names yet. There's a lot going on and a lot of things that are in progress, but we still, with every single thing the PWHL does, it's further than we've ever seen anything happen in women's hockey. So I guess you got to look at it, look at it that way. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw at the draft, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, it's great that they've taken this next step. It, it feels like it's co- becoming a little more real as, real. as you get yeah. the players on the, on the, on the teams. Um, you start to, there's actually analysis of it now, right? Like prior to this, like what could you really say about this league? Like everyone was happy that it was happening, but I feel like right now is now the, the, the birth of the, we can actually analyze this league and the teams and, and talk about which ones we, we think are going to be strong. Um, I don't know enough about the women's game, t- to be completely honest, to tell you which team I thought had the best draft, but it's going to be fun to uh, see as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, let's uh, shout out to Hallie Salvin, and who's just Hallie Salvin, and yep. who's just done a tremendous job covering this right from the outset, but her coverage the other day was exceptional, and and to me, the biggest thing that I loved about it was how real everything was. Like, it was not just, you know, a Zoom draft. I mean, they had a whole show with background stuff and signage and all this stuff. And that brought, as as Jesse just said, it made it real. It, it reminded us that this is actually a viable league that is about to start playing games here uh, come new year. Um, you know, from a Minnesota standpoint, um, you know, uh, same thing. Like I know a lot of the players that they drafted just because uh, being here in the state of hockey, you know, especially the local girls and how incredible University of Minnesota have been over the years. And for them to get Taylor Heist, number one, is a huge coup to them. Um, I'm actually sitting down with Natalie Dorwitz a week, Darwitz a week from today, the uh, GM of the Minnesota team. And I'm really looking forward to finding out what their name is going to be, who's going to coach the team and um and and see them uh, roster their players and how good they potentially could be because by all accounts from uh, Haley's coverage they had a tremendous draft after a really good free agent class. Minnesota is officially my favorite team because they were the first team to pick a goalie. Uh, they took a goalie in the second round, and I said, "There we go, that's my team." Yeah. Hey, by you the way, uh, Jesse, on one other subject. bring it back to those guys, those players with the pads. I was yeah, about to say yeah, the guys yeah. with the pads. No, the players with the pads. Yeah. We're talking about the PWHL. Hey, one thing on goalies, uh, Jesse, this reminded me. I wanted to tell you off air, but uh, I was reading the comments on my rule change story today, and uh, some of the comments were ripping me for not getting any goalies in there, and I finally wrote them. I'm like, the only goalie of the 55 players that we had at either tour was Felix Sandstrom. Like originally, Samsonov was on our list, but he didn't show up. So, or, or oh. for some reason, he didn't come. So we had no goalies to ask. So that's one reason why things are so slanted toward uh, skaters. Always goes to the goalies for Jesse. We're going to be yes. talking to Carolina Hurricanes general manager Don Waddell after the break. Hit a little bit of everything with Don, so don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys. It was a busy offseason. Uh, we've talked so much about the moves that happened uh, throughout the uh, the summer, and the Metropolitan Division was absolutely no exception. You got new coaches. You got players moving everywhere. Pittsburgh getting... Eric Carlson, a lot to analyze, uh, but one thing didn't change, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes are once again still serious Stanley Cup contenders. And we are very pleased to be joined by their general manager, Don Waddell. Thanks so much for doing this. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. So we know camps are officially opening today. There's physicals going on today. And my question to you is a serious one. Uh, Is Rod Brindamore down there taking the physicals just so he can show off that he's still in better shape than most of the players? Yeah, he'll he'll lead to fitness testing for sure. Uh, He's twice a day. He's got to work out. So I think last year he finished third, and so he's he's competing to get that top prize. uh, Try to uh, catch up to Sveshnikov this year. (laughs) Was was the off season uh, quick or, or, or short for for you? And how is it for GMs? I mean, we were talking about it off the top of the show about sometimes it feels like it's going to be a long one. It ends up being short, and then vice versa. Uh, for a general manager, does it ever stop? No, but you know, short summers in our business means you played long into the last season, so it's always good to have short summers. But you know, just a lot has to happen. Um, you know, you, there is uh, some breaks. You know, usually by time August comes, you have all your arbitrations, players sign, and you're maybe fine tuning a few of your uh, uh, prospects and so forth that you need to sign you know for us it was a little busier because you know we don't have an AHL uh, affiliate this year uh, we're looking to place our players around the league so a little busier probably than normal for us just trying to uh, see what was out there for us but you know it's all it's all good you know we're gonna open camp uh, on the ice tomorrow and we're excited about it Don, I, I spent the trade deadline uh, around you guys, uh, which was a fun time, and and thanks for the access uh, there in uh, both Vegas and Arizona. And you know, I remember you. I mean, you made the trade for Gossip Bear, and and um, but right, but you didn't really make a lot of moves because you guys were so poised um, to potentially uh, be a player in the Eastern Conference, and yet and yet. Uh, you still wind up in the Eastern Conference final, which was exactly what you said at the time. But a couple of weeks later, you lose Fetchnikov. Obviously, I was there in the building when you lost Pacioretty in January. Um, when you look back at that series against Florida, um, how how much do you look back and say, man, if we could have only had these two players? And and as well, you mentioned Fetchnikov. How is he doing now? Yeah, you know, you, you, when it first happens, the next five or six days, you look back at it quite a bit. You know, they scored 10 goals, we scored six goals, and we lost four straight. You know, it's hard to imagine that could happen. So, um, you know, injuries, unfortunately, uh, not just for us, but for a lot of teams, uh, plays a part. You know, and with Shreshkov getting injured, you know, we were a cap team right at the cap. And unfortunately, you know, for him getting hurt, but the second part was it happened after the deadline where you can't go out and replace those type of players. But, you know, it's, again, it's a learning experience. We're still a pretty young team, you know, take Brent Burns, might be 40, but he acts like he's 21. So I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt there. (laughs) Uh, We're still a pretty young team. And uh, so, you know, it puts us in another position to have another, get ready for the regular season. We can't uh, look past that and build ourselves for the playoffs. Shemeshkov looks great. He's uh, had a schedule. Not that I care about the schedule because I care about uh, 
games later on. I don't care about preseason games as far as watching him play games, uh, but he's doing really well. and We expect him to be ready for the start of the season. You mentioned the injuries and how that, that impact it has and how it just kind of you, you need to be one of those teams that's that that is lucky that time of season and doesn't have the injuries. You look at the teams that have won recently. Tampa Bay, it took them a while to finally get over the hill. Colorado, the same thing. Um, I cover Vegas out here. They were kind of knocking on the door for a while and finally got it. Do you view it like that? Give yourself as many chances as you can and, and hope things go your way. And you, it seems like you guys are on a similar path to those teams. Yeah, you know, when we started building the franchise, we weren't building it for a short-term run. We were building it for a long-term uh, uh, run. And I think we're in a pretty good position here. It doesn't mean you're going to win every year, uh, but you're going to compete at least for for the, the big ultimate trophy. Um, and, you know, we've gone five years, first time ever in the franchise, making the playoffs. It's not about making the playoffs around here anymore. You know, it's about uh, winning the ultimate prize. So, you know, you that's why at sometimes at the trade deadline and some of those things we don't get off what our uh, plan is get off course and and you know do something that's going to cost us something the following year or two or three years from now we try to continue to keep that in mind that yes we always want to improve our hockey club like we did we feel this summer but we also want to make sure that we don't the old phrase that we're going to future to win today because we, we feel like we're in a position that we can continue this run for a number of years coming up. Well, let's go along those lines, uh, Don, because your blue line was already pretty damn good. And then you go out and get Dmitry Orlov. I couldn't imagine being an NHL team facing your team and saying, well, either Slavin, Burns, or Orlov are pretty much going to be on the ice at all times on the blue line. That is just a scary thought. Walk us through uh, your thought process there and, 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 and that, and how that signing came through and just how important that is to, to, your team, especially given the style of play of the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. And we wanted to get uh, a little harder, at both on the back end and the front end. And, uh, you know, uh, Dimitri obviously was a player that uh, we thought he was one of the covered free agents out there in the fence. And, you know, the first conversation uh, on July 1st or whatever date was this year that we could have with the agent, you know, he was looking for a longer term deal. And we told him that, you know, we'd be looking at it more shorter. We have, uh, Pesci and Shea, they're both uh, unrestricted at the end of the year. And, you know, certainly we want to protect ourselves uh, not getting caught barehanded if they both leave. I'm not saying that we like to sign both of them. So that's why we, we when they came back to us and said they'd look at a shorter term deal, uh, we felt that this is a great fit for us. It at least gets us through the next two years, as you said, because Slavin's got uh, next year, two, this year and next year, and Burns is going to play for another 10 years. Um, <laughs> and so, Having Dimitri there, uh, regardless of what happens, it gives us a nice safety net. And, you know, again, saying that I'd like to bring all the guys back, but uh, we just felt that he was a player that would be not just a player for us. He could be an impact player. And that's why we went out and got him. Yeah, talk about depth on the blue line. I think you have like 25 NHL defensemen in camp right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Svech and, and, and Slavin's situation and Pesci's got one year left. And I know there were a lot of trade rumors with him this offseason. Um, looking at at cap friendly right now, I mean, you have a lot of decisions to make, uh, starting with Nietzsche and, and obviously Seth Jarvis's RFAs, um, but then just a slew of unrestricted free agents. Is this... Um, you know, from your perspective, is this year huge from that standpoint to really sort of analyze exactly how you're going to deal with this landscape going forward? 
Yeah, you know, up front, like you said, Jarvis and uh, Chess are both restricted. So, you know, we'll get them signed. You know, the unrestricted guys play their whole career to, to take that shot. So I understand how it works. But, you know, that's why, again, with uh, uh, the, the Orlock move that was done with this in mind, um, you know, we're going to continue to talk to these guys. We took a break in August. There's not much happening. Uh, but we'll continue to talk with our players and their representation to see if there's a fit. Um, you know, you don't want to have too much turnover. You know, Roddy's the kind of coach that doesn't want any turnover. Um, you know, he's he's pretty uh, adamant about uh, the guys he's got. You know, he thinks we got a good chance to win. Uh, so I added just a, one or two, three guys like we did this year, maybe four. Uh, he felt very comfortable with the types of players we added. And so, you know, we got to keep the future in mind as we move forward. And again, we got to keep, you know, there's this thing called the cap. You know, I have an owner that would spend twenty million over the cap if he was allowed. But you know, we got to make sure that we don't we put ourselves in position every summer, including uh, two summers ago with Patch Ready, uh, obviously, uh, and getting Burns, where we had a lot of cap space to play with in the summertime. This summer we had Orloff and Bunning. You know, we we had the cap space to sign these players, so we want to keep that in mind because again, going out and 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 deadline. Uh, trading assets away or in the summertime have trade assets. These players are free players. It only costs you money. And if you don't have the cap space, you can't take advantage of that. So that's always been our goal to make sure we, as we approach the summer, that we keep that in mind. And we've, we've done, you know, our projections out five years where we pretty much have a pretty good idea of how much money we're going to have to spend each summer, depending on how much the cap goes up. Don, you mentioned off the top, the, the, what kind of kept you busy this off season was trying to find an AHL affiliate and everything that goes with that. What's that process been like? I remember uh, Vegas, their first year, they had to share the Chicago Wolves with the Blues. Um, just what are your options? What, what what kind of challenges are you facing with that? Yeah, well, what we did is, you know, we have five players that uh, played North America last year. They're from Sweden and Finland. Uh, we assigned them back to their teams there. Uh, those leagues are great leagues. You know, you don't have the daily touches as they do with your own farm team, but uh, from a development standpoint, but I think playing in that high level competition is going to be uh, okay for them. There's been some NHL teams that we've worked deals with. Uh, we have three, four uh, different teams right now. They're going to take at least one, some two players. Again, it's not ideal, uh, but it's, it's what we were forced to do and we'll make the best of it. And then obviously we get some young players that are just on entry level contracts that uh, you, you know, the East Coast League to me has made some big strides the last few years to change that league dramatically. And I think having a few players play down there, particularly a goalie and a couple other guys, um, will, will be okay for their development. And actually, our development guys can be there on a regular basis. Don, I got to ask you about the guy we started this interview talking about. That's your head coach, Rod Brindamore. Um, you know, you talked about a cap. Coaches don't count against the cap, but I, I saw an interview he did recently where he said, going into this last year of his deal, it's not going to be an easy negotiation, I think was the exact line he said. Uh, obviously, you're not going to give us too much <laughs> on that negotiation, but uh, can you update us a little bit on Rod the Bod and whether uh, that's uh, been on your to-do list as of late? Yeah, yeah, we've obviously had some conversations. You know, there's no... Uh, the last year of a contract, I think it's overblown sometimes. We know two things. We know Rod wants to stay here. We want Rod to stay here. So whether it happens this month or three months from now or end of the season, 
Um, I, I'm very confident. There's not too many things I can be pretty sure of, but I know if we're fair with Rod, Rod wants to be here, and we we definitely want to keep Rod here. So there's nothing really new to report other than you know, it's a different dynamic than maybe somebody that is coaching or they've only gone into that place for that role. Rod has maintained his house here, has raised his family here, all that. Saying that, you know, we have to also be fair with them as he moves forward. And, and similarly, uh, you know, Don, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, this, this is just one half of your job um, with the Carolina Hurricanes. You, you run the show there. I know that you guys are going through uh, property development right now. You're going through arena renovations right now. How knee deep are you in all of that? Well, pretty knee deep. You know, hockey kind of, uh, like I said, went a little quiet in August, which was good for me to focus on. You know, we signed a 20-year extension on our, on our lease here, and a lot of speculation people had us always moving out of the city. Um, we're happy with that. We're doing over $300 million renovations. We're working on the plans right now. We only have a vision, but we're starting to work on the plans, which will start next summer. And then uh, we also gained the development rights which tom dunnan is a developer and he wants to do on the property so yeah we have from the business side we have a lot going on we're dealing with uh gambling just got passed here we're gonna have a sports book at some point here when it gets regulated we got tv issues we're dealing with we got we got the business side is keeping me busy i'll be happy when uh, uh we start playing some hockey games and get a little <laughs> release of watching i've never looked forward to preseason as much as i do this year yeah. <laughs> hey don uh last question for you um so i'm doing this uh player poll and uh one of the questions is who has the best road dr- dressing room in the nhl and who has the worst um yikes yeah exactly uh you guys landslide winners are the worst and i asked martin nietzsche this and he's he was super happy about it he's like why why should we give them a big nice spacious room like all these new buildings um but i do hear that next year that you are gonna uh renovate that visiting room but one what do you think of uh of winning that uh, prestigious honor in our player poll and can you talk about those renovations that are coming um well, I wouldn't say it's an honor to win that uh, that uh, contest. Uh, I will say that uh, the Centennial Authority who owns the building uh, uh, allocated uh, millions of dollars to do it. Uh, we just uh, couldn't get it done in the summer with everything going on. And once the renovation money was approved, so it'll, it'll change drastically. Uh, you know, as you said, you don't want it too nice, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you want you know to be fair you want to have spaces for you know enough spaces for all the equipment coaches offices all those things um so it, it's something that uh i know has been on our radar it's been on the nhl's radar uh so it, it'll get done uh for the start of the, the bombing season rod brindamore and visiting coaching dressing rooms both on the to-do list to get done this season <laughs> don thanks so much hockey's right there it's right there i we're we trust us we feel the exact same way as you do there's only so much talking you can do before you're saying drop the puck we want to talk about some actual hockey so thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today always appreciate it guys anytime and uh have a great day yep thanks donnie don thanks, waddell donnie. general manager of the carolina hurricanes rapid fire coming up after the break Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. 
Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, boys, my favorite time of the show and yours, Rapid Fire. And we got a laundry list of stuff to get through, so let's get right to it. We'll start in your neck of the woods. Russo, Kalen Addison, signed a one-year deal with the Wild. He was an RFA, 23-year-old, scored three goals, 26 assists at 29 points uh, last season, 18 points on the power play, which led all rookies. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it had to get done because they need him to quarterback the number one unit. What's interesting is he was scratched in 19 of the final 29 regular season games in all of the playoffs. So he's got to get better defensively. He was uh, their worst defensive defenseman, but their best offensive defenseman. And um, they have no cap space, like zero. And so we knew all along that this was going to be the number. And finally, he just knew he wasn't doing a bad. He wasn't doing a great job of pretending like he was going to hold out because he's been around skating with them every day, working out in their facilities. So it wasn't exactly like the game of chicken that most uh, contract disputes on the eve of deadline, like Trevor's egress is, uh, you know, stuff like that. We, we knew this one was getting done. All right. Rapid fire topic. Number two. This was what we had planned. Braden Shen. 24th captain in St. Louis Blues history. But right before we started doing the podcast, uh, another team announced a captain in the Boston Bruins and won Brad Marchand. Um, if we went back in time to when Brad Marchand was like licking guys in the face and I said, hey guys, guess what? That's the future captain of an original six team. Would you have believed me? Jesse's laughing, so we'll start with you. Yeah. Is he the first captain in NHL history to have licked another player's face? Uh. Probably, we gotta, look into, yes. we gotta look into the record books. Um, yeah, it's crazy, but also, like, I feel like he's calmed down a little bit the last few years. Like, he's definitely, uh, uh, as with age, he has gotten a little more relaxed and, and more captain like. Um, I like it. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, licks players, bites ears. Uh, he's a rat, and uh, he's proud of being <laughs> that rat. You ask anybody in Boston, though, what he's like off the ice, and they absolutely love him. Um, you know, I think it is his on ice persona. The second he puts on the helmet, he's a different guy um, off the ice. They, they love him in that locker room. And he is the leader of that team now that Bergeron's not there. So I think it's probably the obvious choice, even though I'm sure fans are having a field day on the comment section of all these articles. The other thing, too, is kind of crazy. I, I quickly did a look at the laundry list of captain vacancy still. Anaheim, Arizona, Calgary, Chicago, Philly, and Seattle. Yeah. That is that is huge. I mean, Boston was on the list, but now they're, they've checked that off. But that's that's a lot of teams without a C. I think Calgary's next. Um, I'd be shocked if it's not Rasmus Anderson, uh, especially now that Michael Backlund's uh, pending UFA, unless they get something done here in the next little bit. But, I mean, Rasmus Anderson is uh, – and I, I could tell you I talked to him at the NHL media tour in Sweden. He wants it. Yeah, Chicago said they're going to kind of calm the Jets on – naming someone to fill the skates of one Jonathan Taves, especially when, you know, you've got a superstar coming in that if everything goes according to plan, probably will be captain in, you know, the next little while. But uh, really interesting there. And Brad Marchand, the captain of the Boston Bruins, unbelievable. Uh, Jesse, we're going to start with you on this one because it's a goaltending topic. The Avalanche, uh, you know, a little bit of issues right now with Pavel Francouz and his, his health. Not going to be ready for camp. He's going to be Alex Georgiev's uh, backup, but your thoughts on a little bit of the question mark when it comes to Colorado? Yeah, I think if they're calling around to some veterans, I can't imagine a better situation if you're a goalie um, to try to raise your stock than playing for the Colorado Avalanche. They make every goalie that is 
has a beating heart that stands in the crease look awesome. Um, they turn they turn bad goalies into into good goalies. They turn good goalies into Vezina finalists that have no business being a Vezina finalist. This team plays so well in front of the goalie. I would be if if you're a veteran out there trying to get a contract, trying to raise your stock. This is the situation you want. I don't think they're going to have a hard time finding someone to someone with with experience to fill that spot. Rapid fire topic number four: unsigned RFAs. You got the Sens still continuing to negotiate with Shane Pinto. Uh, Russo touched on the Ducks situation, nowhere close to a deal with Trevor Zegras or Jamie Drysdale. Uh, your thoughts on these RFAs? I mean, it's a different NHL than it used to be. We talk more about RFAs than we do UFAs at times. Well, especially at this position when teams are so strapped for cap space like Ottawa. I mean, you know, Pinto deserves much more than his qualifying offer, which is in the 800s. 20, what, two or three years old at 20 goals last year. I mean, this is a, a really quality center that is going to be very important to that team. Um, you know, the, all the reports is that they're not looking to trade him, but he certainly warrants more money than they could probably afford him right now, so they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, Zegers is interesting to me because I just don't sense, even though that he's their best player um, in terms of, well, that's probably a little wrong to say. I mean, Troy Terry is right up there, but in terms of, like, Dazzle and pizzazz and all that stuff. I mean, that's Trevor's egress, but I don't feel sense that there's a lot of love there inside the organization from Pat Verbeek willing to uh, commit to him long-term, uh, longer than even three or four years. So I, I've got to think that we're going to see a, a, a midterm deal here in the three-year range, and then it's just a matter of getting his AAV signed up. Jamie Drysdale one's bizarre to me because he basically didn't play last year, and right now it looks like that he's not done as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. And just big picture, I think these RFAs are, it's, it seems like it's becoming more of a big deal now because it just feels like with the way the league is going faster, younger, more skilled, it feels like these players at, at 21, 22 have accomplished more than maybe some in the past. Not that there weren't guys playing young in the past, but it seems more common. And then they want to be paid. Like you don't get paid until you hit UFA status. And these guys are like, no, I'm scoring 20 goals a year. I want money now. Um, so I, I feel like just the way the game is gone is going to lead to more and more of this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's because of the UFA change, right? I mean, seven years and tw- or 27 years old. When I first started covering the league, guys, you didn't become a UFA until age 31. And that's when you got that's your insane. money. Yeah. And so now even, th- even 27 yeah. is insane. It yeah. like, needs to move up even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's a situation where for a lot of years, it was kind of like, you don't have the audacity to ask for money before then. You can't hold out as an RFA. Like the thought of it was just uh, not even, it was non-existent. So now that's certainly not the case. Uh, rapid fire topic number five. This one just blew my mind as well. Uh, Sidney Crosby talked about if there was a situation in an international tournament, be it the Olympics, World Cup, whatever, he would gladly move over to the wing to play with one Connor McDavid. I know we're not supposed to get sexually aroused by uh, a line in hockey, but if I got to see Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid play together in a, like a non-all-star type situation where they actually want to win, that might be the first time for me. Your thoughts on this one, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, if there's anyone out there that doesn't want a best-on-best international tournament, just run this answer by them and see if they see if they change their mind. Sign me up. Yeah, for Jesse, this would be the equivalent of putting like Hellebuck and Vasilevsky in the same net. The same right, thing. yeah. You'd- yeah, it's, it, it'd just be bananas. Um, and then maybe this guy will be part of that as well. Rapid fire topic number six, Connor Bedard. First prospect game, what's he do? Patrick versus St. Louis. I get it. It's a 
prospect game. The intensity is nowhere near normal NHL intensity, but still his first two goals were just top corner snipes. If this is any indication of what we're going to see, we're going to be talking about him a lot this year. Yeah, that that happened here in Minnesota. Um, I didn't go to it, though. I was at a Trampled by Turtles concert, uh, you know, the... uh, which is the opening song of the award-winning Straight from the Source podcast, I might add. Uh, they, they sing that Hashtag song. Hashtag priorities. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I read Scott Powers' incredible coverage, and I looked at, obviously, all the video. And, it, you know, yes, it's a prospect game, but this guy, his dangles, his edge work, his shot, this, this guy is going to be, you know, people that are like, oh, well, let's see him function in the NHL. He's going to be fine. He's going to be absolutely fine. And he's already overshadowing Adam Fantilli, who also had a hat trick yep. that night uh, in Traverse City. Um, I was talking to Connor McDavid. I asked him right at the uh, NHL media tour last week in Vegas. I said, what do you think Bedard's going through right now? And, you know, because if anybody could relate, it would be the guy that was hyped most before Connor Bedard and a fellow number one overall pick. And, and he said he all he does is just want to play hockey. It's like enough of all the hype. This kid just yeah. wants to get on the ice and show that he belongs in the NHL. Um, he seems to be an extremely humble kid that wants to just fit in, which is the only reason why he was here in Minnesota, because he wanted to take part in it. Yeah, and, and like you said, Fantilli, not only did he have an ass- a hat trick, he had two assists, five-point game. These two these two superstars coming into the league are not wasting any time. I was talking, Corey Pronman was out here in Vegas for, for the rookie tournament out here, and he was just like, drooling over all the all the highlights of those two in their first two games it's going to be exciting to see what they can do did think it was funny though that there was you know talk that maybe bedard wouldn't play in this game the blackhawks said they wanted to kind of treat him like any other prospect (laughs) he's not any other prospect i think it's exactly what russo said there's that's the one point for 60 minutes where he could just be himself and do what he knows he's really really good at and boy did he ever show it number seven retirement feel like we've been doing a lot of retirements in our rapid fires. Uh, Derek Stepan called it a career, joins the Minnesota Wild Russo in their scouting department after 13 years in the NHL. Yeah, I, uh, I showed up at the rink the other day, and it's hard to miss that head. Um, you know, that <laughs> shiny, you know, bowling ball head with the big beard. Puffed I'm like, head, I yep. think that's Derek Stepan. Um, and the last time I ran into him was at a Vegas casino when I was embedded with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes during the trade deadline. So, uh, so I was exci- I'm excited because he is such a great guy. It's just a shame. 33 years old, he's already retired from the league. Um, but uh, you know, you know, quite frankly, he, the Wild could probably sign him right now, and he'd be their best faceoff guy. That's what they should do. Actually, just sign him, have him take a draw, then go to the bench. He, he'd clearly lead them in faceoff percentages because I don't know if I've ever seen a team worse at faceoffs than this team. Um, so. Uh, they should. That's what they should have a dual role: part-time scout, front office guy, and player, and face-off guy. Yeah. Uh, finally, guys, rapid-fire topic number eight. This deals with something you worked on, Russo. You did uh, a player poll as far as rule changes go. Um, Fifty-five players. Not everybody wanted to give their opinions, but talked about rules they would like to maybe see changed, altered. Uh, whatever. It's a great piece on The Athletic. Go read it. Um, I want to ask all three of you, if you could change one rule in the NHL, what would it be? And I'm going to start. i let you guys start all the other rapid topics. Um, I don't think a team that gets penalized should have any advantages whatsoever, and that includes icing the puck. If you are in the, if you break the rules so much so that you have to sit in a little box and feel shame for two minutes, you can't ice the puck. All right. It's just you just get the puck out of zone. And if you ice it, it's icing. You got an offensive zone face off. 
for the power play team. Jesse, what's yours? Yeah, I could not agree more with that one. Um, and I'll just go another step further. And uh, it was in Russo's piece, and I agree with the players that said it. Um, you give up a power play goal, still killing the penalty. It's two yeah. minutes. If, if they score five, they score five. I think we're always looking for ways to score more in the NHL. They're constantly trying to tweak things to score more. Don't make the goalies' pads smaller. I saw one of the players posting that. You, these goalies get hurt enough as it is. Um, I, it, the way to do it is to penalize them more on the penalties. I totally agree. Take the icing out. They've got to kill the full two minutes. You don't get off if you give up a quick one. Um, that'll give us more goals. Yeah, Rasmus Anderson was uh, was one of the ones that uh, was all for that. And this is a penalty killer. But he's also a power play guy that he also pointed out. So he's like, I'd love it. Um, this, yeah, this was a fun thing to do. Um, you know, uh, continuous three on three for those that didn't read the piece was the one, the leading vote getter, but, but then there were, uh, I think three or four votes for 10 minute three on three. So clearly NHL players are talking about that. Um, the one I'd like to see are refs talking after games. I think that they should be accountable. Um, I was talking to Eric to and, um, and Jim and Jim Matheson yesterday, two hockey hall of fame, uh, uh, sports writers, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going crazy because I remember back in the 90s interviewing guys like Mick Magoo and, and uh, Bill McCreary after games. And, and they, they said, yes, it used to be it wasn't so much a rule. It was more of an informal thing that if you went up to a supervisor after a disputed call and the ref was willing to talk, that they would talk. And like Magoo, McCreary and Paul Stewart and, and um, Kerry Frazier were some of the ones that they remember also interviewing. So at some point that changed. I'd like to see him go back to that. But as Bill Daly told me with a smirk on his face that he just renegotiated the collective bargaining agreement with the officials and somehow that topic didn't come up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're ever going to fight fight for that one. You got another poll coming out too, don't you, Russo? Yeah, I'm working on that right now. Actually, we just, uh, as you just heard, I asked Don Waddell about that. Uh, so you know one of the answers. But some of the questions that you'll see in The Athletic on Thursday is uh, what's the next NHL city the uh, league should expand to, and it is coming, by the way. This is not just fantasy land. There, there will be expansion again. If, if they're going to top a billion, billion and a half for an expansion fee, you know the NHL owners are going to want to split that by. Uh, best and worst road dressing rooms, best and word, worst uh, road nightlifes. Uh, you could, that one, um, Jesse knows well in one city, and Jesse knows well <laughs> in another city, actually. Uh, he got to go to a lot in the playoffs last year. Um, is there one coach? I like this one uh, in the NHL that you'd love to play for that guy. Um, non-favorite, uh, non-hockey athlete, favorite hockey athlete. Uh, one player that you need to keep your head on a swivel. And um, and best chirper in the league. Uh, those are going to be some of the answers. And they are very entertaining answers that you'll see in The Athletic on Thursday. Did anybody say Mike Babcock for coach they wanted to play for? One person did, and I will I will say it was before all this happened. Um, so, uh, and it was an anonymous one, so obviously I can't say who who said it. But one did say Mike Babcock. Yeah, there's about twelve. Very interesting. There's about about thirteen or fourteen guys that got essentially one vote, um, and they're all mm. um, they're all interesting names. Uh, Quenville got a vote too, believe it or not. Well, well, we uh, all right. Well, be sure to look on the athletic uh, on Thursday for that. I'm looking forward to it. What are you working on, Jesse? Obviously, a lot of preview stuff with with camp coming for the Golden Knights, and also uh, some goalie stuff. Uh, story that I've been working on for a few weeks, and that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, breakout candidates, some goalies that maybe aren't household names that people aren't used to hearing that I think are going to take a big step this year, and, and you're going to know their names by the end of the season. All right, be sure to go to the athletic and check that out, and be sure. Guys, thanks for the good show. To go to YouTube. 
to check out our channel, youtube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. You get a new subscription to The Athletic for just two bucks a month for 12 months now when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. And we are going to be back next week for our final show together, guys. The roundtable will not be around this season, so we are going to have a uh, series finale, we'll call it, uh, next week with myself and these two guys, Russo and Jesse. So be sure to tune in for Jesse, for Russo. I'm Pizzo. See you in seven days.